1: And welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So just go ahead. And of course, if you're driving or doing an activity or whatever, just use this as a deep breathing exercise to get really grounded and centered. But if you can, sit comfortably in a chair or Indian style on the floor and uncross your legs. Place your palms open on your lap. Close your eyes and just begin to breathe with me. Breathing in through your nose. Allowing your chest and your belly to fully expand. Taking in the fullness of your breath. And on the exhale, just release, relax, and let go. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, just let go of what doesn't serve you well. And breathing in pure golden sunlight through your core, through your heart, through your mind. On the exhale, just relax and let go a little bit more. And breathing in golden sunlight to every cell of your being, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and spend a moment thinking of one thing you feel grateful for. And as you fill your heart and your whole being with pure golden gratitude, just continue to exhale and relax and sink into your breath and into your body. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to the tips of your fingers, to the tips of your toes. On the exhale, just relax a little bit more. Breathing in pure golden gratitude through your core, through your heart, through your mind. On the exhale, just release any anticipation you feel. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to every cell of your being on the exhale, allow that gratitude to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And breathing in pure golden gratitude again, filling your entire being, every cell of your being with golden gratitude on the exhale, allow it to wash over you again like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And taking one last deep breath in of pure golden gratitude on the exhale, go ahead and open your eyes. Oh my gosh, I didn't know about you all, but boy, it's been really hot here in California and doing that golden gratitude waterfall thing, cascading over me felt really good. (laughs) Felt super good. I have a really special guest for you today and I'm so excited to share his wonderful book with you. His name is Stephen Washington. He is the author of the newly released book, Recovering You, Soul Care, and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. He's a Qigong and meditation teacher and a speaker who lives a life of recovery. He is passionate about helping others as they navigate their own recovery journeys. Washington performed on Broadway and Disney's The Lion King, yay! His love of dance and movement led him to become a Pilates instructor, fitness trainer, certified neuromuscular massage Mm -hmm. therapist, and certified Lee Holden Qigong instructor. He teaches core Qigong, a fusion of Pilates and Qigong online weekly through his website. Visit him online at stephenwashingtonexperience.com. Welcome, Stephen.
0: Ah, oh, thank you so much, Christine. It's lovely to be here. Good to see you again.
1: Yeah, you too. And gosh, don't y'all just love his voice? He has a beautiful voice, and he's got the beautiful bald, shaved head to go with it. And he just looks so zen, and and he's got the beautiful dancer's body. This is just a beautiful man. How, what can I say? I'm so lucky to be sitting here with Stephen Washington today, <laughs> and I get to thank see you. him. You you get to listen to him. I get to see him because we're on a <laughs> Zoom call. So. <laughs> Well, I um, had the pleasure of reading um, Stephen's book, Recovering You, Soul Care and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction, a while back, and I just loved it. And I'll tell you what I love so much about it, Stephen, before we begin to talk about just your work and your story, is I love that you've um, really created this whole somatic journey for people, you know, this whole embodiment of what is recovery. And I mean, I think in a lot of ways, all all human beings are recovering from something and and some form of addiction, whether we have really gone into the real transformation throes of addiction or we have skirted the outside edges of addiction. But I think we can all agree probably that there's some form of addiction that we've all um, toyed around with or been involved in or experience because isn't this just part of the human journey on some level right it's just a part of it so i want to start with your story and sharing your own personal story of addiction and then we can talk about all the wonderful tools you have in your book that will help to heal anyone who's struggling or not struggling i think it just helps you recover like who you are by doing some of the things that steven teaches it's just health practices too so Let's start there. Stephen. tell us about your story.
0: Okay, that's a good place to start. Um, Well, first thing to know about me is that I'm 50 years old and I come from the East Coast from a town called Stamford, Connecticut. Small family, just my mom, my dad, my sister and I. Uh, It was a challenging upbringing because my parents, my parents were brought together to birth me and my sister but not much else beyond that. <laughs> oh, so so saying they
1: had kind of a tumultuous relationship.
0: Yeah, they did. They did. And so there was a lot of drama and upheaval when I was a child. And eventually they did divorce and, and it was just a very complicated upbringing. And I know for myself, I always felt very sensitive. I'm a very sensitive person. I was a very sensitive child. I feel everything and it was a challenging place to grow up in being such a sensitive child as soon as i was able to when i was a teenager and i found alcohol i i reached out for it and i grasped onto it as tightly as i could because i so desperately wanted to check out and not feel what i was feeling not experience what i was experiencing and it became a way for me to self-soothe. And the feeling that I felt when I had my first drink at a German pub was magic. It was How magic. How old were you? I was 15.
1: 15, yeah? I was That's 15. about the right age. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that wasn't my very first sip of alcohol. I've, I, story has it that My father used to give me beer when I was a baby, whenever I was fussy. He would give me beer to just calm me down. Oh, there you
1: go. So you started way early then. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You didn't even have a a choice in the matter.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. And I come from a family of of alcoholics and addicts. It's all over the family on both sides. So it was definitely in the air. But uh, yeah, once I had my first drink, and experienced my first drunk, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> it was a magical experience for me. And I, I tried to recreate that, the magic of that experience over and over again for years. Uh, fast forward to all my time in New York City as a young artist dancing in the, in the East Village at NYU, finally being in my tribe of artists and, and LGBTQ people uh, I was in my element and, and it progressed from there. One of the things I learned about addiction when I first got into recovery was that it's a progressive, it's a progressive thing. Uh, it always transforms and morphs. And so it did. And so for me, it was fun that it was fun with problems. And then at the end, it was pretty much mostly problems. I finally found my way to recovery when I was 30 years old. I was living in uh, New York City after spending about a year and change living in Toronto, doing *The Lion King* for the first time as part of the Canadian company, uh, and my life was—it was—it was out of control. It didn't look like it from the outside, but from the on the inside, I was imploding. Um, I managed to hold on to a lot of the things that we see, that we in society think of as important. Like I had a home, I had a job, uh, I had friends, but on the inside, I was dying inside. I would look at myself in the mirror and I couldn't recognize who I, who I was, who I saw before me. And I feel as though, even though even though my consequences weren't as dire as some people who struggle with addiction, they were bad enough for me. It was bad enough for me to make a change. And that's where I began. I, I had a friend who was in recovery. And he'd been a friend for a long time. And he never forced recovery on me. He always accepted me for who I who I was, and still does to this day. And I told him that I, th- I think I have a problem. And he took me to my first 12 step recovery meeting. And, and the rest is history. And you now it's, it's been 20 years now. And I've, I have a life today that's beyond my wildest dreams. And what I share in this book are tools and practices that I've picked up over the years that have helped me in recovery, has helped me uh, live my life as fully as I possibly can, and has helped me to manage stress because I feel as though addiction is active addiction is a way for us to try to self-regulate, but it's not, it's not a process of self-regulation that's healthy or life-affirming. And so the practices that I offer in this book are a chance for people to gather tools that are healthier or life-affirming, connecting them to their body, connecting them to their, to their spirit and their mind.
1: Yeah, because, you know, I mean, my own experience with addiction happened when I was a teenage girl and I um, I have I developed an eating disorder and I realized later on in life, you know, I recovered. I was really fortunate to recover in my um, I think it lasted from the time I was about 15 until I was about 22 Mm -hmm. and um, kind of peaked out when I was around 18 when I kind of started realizing I was actually hurting myself. Um, But I kind of realized later on that it was, when I healed, it was recovery to me meant recovering my soul and recovering that part of me that was separate from God for a time where I had grown up like you, a very sensitive child, very tuned into God. Uh, I went through a time where I felt very unworthy of the God that I was presented with in in my family in a lot of ways, like i'm my family's so loving, and their intentions were so pure and good. And there's so much that's really wonderful about Christianity, but the part that I took on as a kid was I'm not good enough to receive, you know Christ's love because I can't be exactly like Christ. I'm a teenager, you know. <laughs> did you have that one too?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely
1: yeah and the perfectionism of just trying so hard and then feeling so um beaten down from not being able to do it and that was part of my thing some of it was my sexuality and coming to terms with being a, a sexual young lady um you know and figuring all that out and some of it was familial you know which is like what you say is some of it's just family stuff or just holding yourself to too much pressure but I'd love to hear your definition of recovery. Cause that's what I found for myself was it was like recovering my, my spiritual self, my soul. Uh,
0: absolutely. And what I talk about in the book too, is just this idea of recovering you, recovering yourself, recovering that true part of yourself that we become disconnected from through the process of addiction. Uh, I know that for myself in my process of recovery, I've reconnected to the Stephen that I was before I ever picked up a drink or a drug or cigarette or anything like that, before I ever started to harm myself the way that I did eventually. So I was able to reclaim that. So recovery has been that. And then also recovery for me has been this discovery of things about myself that I, I didn't know that were just waiting for the opportunity to express express itself. So I feel as though recovery is always for me from day to day just full of interesting surprises. Interesting surprises and discoveries. Uh, recovery is a is a very rich experience and and one part of it that I think is significant to mention is that it's a process of learning how to be more comfortable with discomfort. Because when I was in active addiction, if I felt uncomfortable, I had to do something about it. I had to try to do something to change how I was feeling, uh, change what I was feeling, what I was thinking, all of it. And in recovery, I've become more skillful at just managing those feelings of discomfort that we all feel in life that i don't have to reach for something immediately i can just have the experience and trust that whatever discomfort i'm experiencing it will pass
1: that's beautiful right? that's yeah. beautiful and and that comes from well let's talk about some of the tools that you've been able to develop that with because i've i've noticed a lot of these are very meditative <laughs> <laughs> meditative, quieting down, you know, coming into your body. And so tell me, like, what, your journey of recovery, and what tools did you learn first? And what did they do for you?
0: Hmm. So many, so many tools. And in the book, I, I share, I share a lot of tools that have helped me. and And there are so many tools that there's just too many to even mention in the book. But what's been most impactful for me is I have always been a mover i've always been one to express myself through my body very uh, I learn. kinesthetically I, I experience and I feel very deeply in my body, so a lot of the practices in the book and the practices that have helped me are through the body, whether it's connecting to the breath just breathing deeply. One of the things that happens to many of us in life is when we feel stress it, it it immediately is reflected in the breath when we feel stress our breaths become more short and shallow as opposed to when we are more relaxed and at ease the breaths are deeper fuller and we're able to shift from fight flight freeze into more the rest and digest a part of our central nervous system so Deep breathing is a very important part of the practice. And then also movement, Uh, Qigong, the ancient Chinese practice of Qigong is the mindful movement modality that I teach uh, in the book. And Qigong is a ancient Chinese healthcare system that uh, borrows from flowing movements and standing postures and deep breathing and focused intention to activate, cultivate and circulate life force energy. And energy is something that is expressed in different ways on a physical level. Also our emotions are energetic, our thoughts are energetic. So it's a practice that helps us to transform all those different layers and levels of energy within the body. Also in the book, I I take the readers through Meditation, because I think meditation is an important part of my recovery and my healing practices.
1: It certainly has been of mine too.
0: Yeah, just taking the time to sit and be still and be quiet and to listen. Uh, there's also wonderful tools in the book that take people through um, in the moment exercises to help us help them explore the different topics that I cover in the book. So there's a plethora of tools, I call them recovery, your recovery toolbox. So you want as many tools in your toolbox as you can get in. And you never know on which day which tool is going to serve you best. And so there's tons of tools in there. But I also think an important tool that I try to share with the with the reader is a sense of community,
1: Mm -hmm. relying
0: on community. Absolutely. And I'm a part of their the readers community, because a lot of my voice is through the book, but also I bring in other people, friends of mine from the recovery community to lend their experience, strength and hope to the book so that the reader has an opportunity to hear other voices and other messages. And hopefully in the process of going on this recovering new journey, they will have a chance to build a broader community just in the pages of the book and encourage them also to reach outside of themselves to connect with people because community has been a huge part of my recovery. I, I wouldn't have been able to be in recovery as long as I have without the help of other people.
1: Yeah, and I think that's so important for healing. And there's so many aspects of community that helps um, in healing. One of them is that We have a tendency to think that we're the most weird strange person in the entire universe and only we do things in this weird odd strange manner and only we are like the craziest you know goofiest people and quirkiest people and you start to realize that people are more alike than they are different and that it's it's just really part of the human journey to unravel this stuff you know and really is like we don't we we we'd like to think that when we come in as a baby we come in with a totally clean slate but i'm of the thought process that we don't come in with a totally clean slate <laughs> it's very clean but we probably carry some other stuff with us that we still need to work out on this soul journey so
0: then, absolutely
1: yeah so then our our addiction or our recovery let's say from addiction becomes such a catalyst for teaching doesn't it
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It changes
1: our lives. And it makes us, when you start to honor the recovery process and you realize, oh yeah, okay, I have a problem. I want to fix this. I'm going to start to look at my life patterns and make small changes here or there. I'm going to seek support. I'm going to read books like Recovering You by Stephen Washington. I'm going to um, make this a journey of of self-discovery That's when you start to really see later on in life that your addiction has served you very, very well.
0: Absolutely. I have no regrets about my life journey, my path, uh, my years in struggling with addiction, it's all served a great purpose. It has helped me to, it has helped me to grow. It's helped me to become a richer, fuller person. And it's also given me an incredible mission, which is to help other people by sharing my story, sharing my experiences, because I think that's how we all grow and we all connect and we all have the opportunity then to see that we are all more alike than we are different.
1: Absolutely. I, I feel like, too, as a teacher, it's, it's really, really difficult, even if you have the higher education, to teach... Um, from other than from a place of experience, you know, that when you have this deep experience of actually going through the dark night of the soul, maybe a couple of times, I mean, I'm almost 60. So I'm, I've probably gone through it a couple of times for different reasons, <laughs> Right. Yeah. but, but I, I can speak to it because I've been at the very depths of sorrow. I've been at the very depths of despair and, and yet I've come out of that, um, whole and seeing the light again, the full light of of living a life that I love. And mm-hmm. and I think that that's the hope, you know, that when we share, like you've shared your book, when we share from those places of recovery and what we've seen and what we've been through, we're hope is such an, a, a catalyst for getting to the next step, isn't it?
0: It is. It is. And what you just said reminds me that there's so much gold in those dark moments There is in life, so much gold. And one of the things that I try to teach in the book, especially in the chapter on perceptions is that it's important to at some point step outside of your habitual beliefs and patterns and consider that there just might be another way to view your life or your circumstances that might be a bit more optimistic. Uh, I think in addiction, oftentimes we tend to focus on the negative and and there's so much we can gain from from being a bit more optimistic and open to other points of view or other ideas or other ways to, to view your experience in your life Just like those dark nights of the soul, just in terms of being able to to, to appreciate for a moment that there's something here for me to learn and to gather and to grow from. And then hopefully to to share with someone else because that can help someone else that there's a purpose to your pain.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell somebody that who's absolutely in their despair, but generally that there's a moment when somebody comes to peek out at the light that you can say such things. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And and just realizing that, you know, we all have that in common. You know, if you're somebody right now who's struggling and you know you're struggling, you know, you you're not alone. I mean, there's so many people we've all struggled and continue to struggle in our own capacity um to to be on that path of being a recovered human being you know and I would just say um Stephen what would what kind of like what's what's your best message you want to speak from your book to our listeners today Hmm. Hmm. like what do you promise that somebody's going to receive when they read your book
0: I promise that they will receive tools to help them live a better life
1: that's perfect and and that means that this book is for everyone it isn't just for somebody in recovery it's about recovering yourself and that's what i teach people too and i teach women is is you have to come back to yourself and we get disconnected from ourselves. Um, Sometimes just life disconnects us. It's not even addiction. You know, sometimes like you look at really busy moms and they are disconnected from themselves because they're taking care of so many others around them. And at a certain point we all have to honor ourselves and come back. And I love what you talk about. Let's um, talk about self-care and your definition of self-care for a moment before we, begin to wrap up here. And I want to ask you to just, at the end, I'm just going to give you a pre warning not to put you on the spot, but I'd love to just do a very short meditation, have you lead us through whatever meditation your heart says that you want to lead us through at the very end. But first, let's talk a little bit more about self care. And what is self care?
0: Well, my definition of self care is anything that you do that tends to your body, your mind and your spirit and a self-care practice is going to be different from one person to the next person it's just a matter of finding finding things that are effective and meaningful for you and i often i often encounter people who struggle with creating a self-care practice for themselves and what i often recommend and i do this in the book is One place to start in creating a self-care practice for yourself is to focus on your breath. There's so much that can be gained by just paying attention to your breathing. And like I may have mentioned earlier, we can tell a lot about how we're feeling based on how we're breathing. So if you take a moment to pay attention to your breath and to really focus on your inhale and on your exhale, and all the space in between that inhale and that exhale, and just do that repeatedly, you'll notice a shift in your body. You may even notice a shift in your heart in terms of your emotions, and you may even notice a shift in your mind. Now, I know it sounds too simple to be real or true, but having a breath practice as simple as that can really go a long way. So that's one of the things that I do multiple times a day to take care of myself. That's something I learned. And even before I got sober, I had a therapist who wanted me to connect to what I was feeling in the moment because oftentimes I would just run from my feelings. And he said, no, put your hand on your heart Feel your heart beating and just take a few deep breaths and just be in the moment. So I think that's a wonderful window into self-care and then you just build on it from there.
1: That's beautiful. Would you like to do a nice deep breathing meditation? I felt like you were kind of leading us through one right there. I know, I know. (laughs) Didn't it feel like that, everyone? I felt like I was doing a meditation right there.
0: (laughs) Yes, I would love to do one. I would love to take you through a, a meditative moment. So everyone, wherever you are, whether you're sitting in a chair or on a cushion or even lying down on your back, Just feel the weight of your body in this moment. And just allow, if your eyes aren't closed, just allow your eyes to be softly open, just a soft gaze. Not really focusing on anything in particular in front of you. And breathe in through your nose. And breathe out through your mouth. And just be a witness to your breath.
1: Breath is life.
0: And with each breath that you take, you draw precious energy into your body. And with each exhale, you give energy back out to the world. And on your next exhale, gently close your eyes if, they're, if they were open. and continue to pay attention to your breath. Feeling how the body expands as you inhale, and how the body softens as you exhale. And just allow the breath to move in and out of your body, like the waves of the ocean moving towards the shore and away from the shore. there may be moments when you lose your focus on your breath, and your mind starts to wander away from the breath, and when that happens, that's okay, just gently usher the mind back to focusing on the breath. Now I invite you to again pay attention to your entire body and feel the weight of your body against the surface that is supporting you. And begin to gently wiggle your toes and your fingers. to introduce movement back to your body again. And in your own time, gently open your eyes.
1: Ah, so nice. Thank you so much, Stephen. Oh my, my gosh. Pleasure. Well, I'm so excited again um, to share Stephen with you all. Um, please visit him at his website. Stephen Washington and that's S T E V E N Washington.com, right? Wait, no, Stephen there's... Washington
0: Experience. Oh, yeah. yeah, there you
1: go. Stephen, Was- Stephen Washington and pick up his book, Recovering You Soul Care and Mindful Movement for Overcoming Addiction. Thank you, Stephen, for coming on. I love your book and you're just wonderful. So, thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Christine, for having me. It's so wonderful to spend this time with you.
1: So what a treat, everyone. Please share this with your family and friends. Don't sweat the small stuff. We are living the big stuff. Come back next week and listen in for some more. Bye for now.
0: Thanks for listening to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. You're invited to join Christine at one of her upcoming retreats in California, including her popular What Now Women's Retreat at Sea Ranch and her new Revive and Thrive Mental Health and Wellness Retreat at Mount Shasta. Get all of the retreat details today at
1: ChristineCarlson.com.